0: Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Tommy Butts, Extension Weed Scientist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Uh, and today joining me, I actually have Dr. Connor Webster, a rice extension weed specialist at Louisiana State University. We're going to chat about a few different topics today, uh, you know, just how the, the rice crop is shaping up down there in Louisiana. Uh, and with our conditions in Arkansas, I'm hopefully going to get some uh, water seeding advice from, from Connor and then a few other tips and concerns that he might be seeing down there that might translate up to us as our senior, season's just kind of getting underway. Um, so before we get into all of that, though, I just wanted to turn it over and, and let Connor introduce himself. So thanks for joining me today, Connor.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, this is my first podcast, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to be doing this. Uh, like you said, I'm the uh, rice weed scientist for LSU Ag Center. Um, I actually have a point, three-way appointment, research extension and teaching, uh, with research being the majority of my appointment. Uh, so
0: I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, like I said, thanks again for joining me. Um, the first thing I just wanted to kind get, of get into with you is, uh, you know, up here in Arkansas, man, we keep catching rain after rain after rain. We'll have about three days where it'll maybe finally dry out and boom, another rain. So we're not very far as far as planting goes. We're pretty far behind. But uh, what's uh, what's Louisiana looking like? How's your planting progress so far? And how's your year just kind of shaping up overall?
1: Yeah, so we're probably
0: the, the exact opposite, especially here in
1: the south part of the state. Uh, We had a relatively dry winter, so we had a lot of ground that was prepped early, Uh, so a lot of growers got in the ground early. Um, We have some people that'll start planting mid-February, but uh, that's not always the case, but a lot of people started getting in the ground around uh, the 1st of March, Um, but really that that rice sat in the ground for probably three to four weeks because we were so dry and we had cold temperatures, so that rice wasn't necessarily germinating, Uh, so we had Quite a few people are starting to get a little worried about that, but uh, everything started to pick up, started to get a little bit more rain, uh, better temperatures. And uh, now we're most people are around three to five leaf rice right now. And really, we're probably getting ready to go to flood. So, yeah, that's, that's about where we're at right now. We're probably 80 percent planted so far with uh, the 20 percent being the north part of the state. They're kind of in the situation that Arkansas is in. It's been pretty wet recently, and um, really they're, they're trying to decide probably if they're going to plant rice or, or soybeans or what still.
0: Well, now that we lost our whole Arkansas listenership, since uh, you guys are doing a lot better than we are, (laughs) we'll see if we can continue on. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, I mean, that's good to hear, though. I'm glad to hear that that y'all are at least moving forward and and having good luck so far. Uh, I'm hoping here, you know, we got another couple rain chances in the forecast, but I'm hoping it starts clearing up and we can plant a whole bunch in a hurry. So hopefully we're moving in the right direction here soon. Um, Are there any new... You know, major weeds or control issues that you're seeing so far down there, or anything that that you're really battling that we should maybe be on the lookout for up here in Arkansas this year, or even moving forward. Oh, uh, this year, from speaking with most people, we've had a lot of
1: command and sharpen and go out pre. So right now, we've we've got pretty good weed control. Um, I've gotten a ca- few calls about alligator weed, a few calls about um, some junket species, and a lot of that goes with that water seeded rice system where we've been holding water um, in the winter, so you have a little bit more aquatic weed pressure. Uh, one new weed that's kind of on the horizon for us is uh, in the genus Fembristless, and that's actually in the sedge family. Uh, so what happens with that is a lot of people mistake it for a rice flat sedge, and our, our permits and our gambits uh, don't provide very good control or any control of Fembristless, so a lot of times they'll misidentified as a, a flat sedge and then you put the flood on and you're like what wait why do I have this flat sedge still out here it's not flat sedge it's from So so that the difference the big difference is that the from grows in a fan whereas a flat sedge is three ranked uh, but yeah so we're so it kind of, kind of, of like a,
0: it's kind of more like a cattail than ish when it with a with the fan type yeah, but it's a lot smaller. It's, yeah, okay. It's about the size of a flat sedge, but okay. yeah, the
1: growth habit would be similar to that. Um, really, that's kind of been on the horizon the past maybe two years, something that we've been getting a few more calls about. So that's, that's something that I'm going to be diving into once I get that first call of, hey, I think I have some bristles." So.
0: Yeah, we're dealing with sedges a lot up here, too. We actually just had a survey, uh, I guess it's been, it's fall of 2020, and uh, sedges have moved up to like our number two to number three weed and rice up here. Like it's insane. And that's, you know, yellow, we're battling yellow nut sedge, rice flat sedge, flat rice flat sedge is an animal because we have so much ALS resistance anymore. Yeah. And then we also have one that's popped up kind of like what you're saying too. It's uh, it's white margin flat sedge. But it's where people were, you know, it looks a lot like flat sedge when it's young, and so people are identifying it as just rice flat sedge, and the permits, gambits, you know, all those ALSs of the world aren't killing it, and it's just yep. blown through the top and taking some of our rice down. So we're battling kind of the same issue, just a different species, but uh, that, same, that same sedge junk is really eating our lunch right now, too. Yeah, it can get
1: pretty frustrating. Yeah,
0: that's for sure. Well, especially like you said, when you're going to flood and you think you got it, and then all of a sudden it's blowing up through the top of the canopy, that's the worst time to see it. So Yeah, I've heard of uh,
1: a couple instances where Rogue has done a pretty good job on it as a salvage. So like once you've gotten your flood, so you know Rogue has to have a flood in the system, especially a deep flood.
0: Uh, They'll jack that flood up and then put Rogue out, and it seems to do a good job on the converseless. Well, that's good. That's good. We're still, I know we've heard some reports that that's working on our white margin as well. We need to do a little bit more research on it, but, uh, but yep. yeah, road seems like a great option to try and battle back some of those sedges that blow through us on post-flood. So that's a, that's a good point to bring that up. Thank you. Um, just another question too, how are, uh, how are Louisiana farmers so far dealing with high herbicide prices and availability issues? Have you heard any major, you know, availability concerns on the rice herbicide front?
1: As far as availability, the, the two most difficult ones to get are, are Roundup, which we can get it. It's just expensive, the, probably the most common price that I've heard is around $58 a gallon. Uh, so that, that hurts a little bit. Um, but the other one is Bassigran. Uh, we're pretty short on Bassigran, uh, which I think Bassigran is kind of short every year. Uh, but those are the two big ones. But other than those, we've been able to get our hands on pretty much everything that we need so far.
0: Uh, that's good to know about the Bassagrand, though, because, I mean, we just said, we you know, sedges are one of our main ones we've been battling, and Bassagrand's been one of our main go-tos the past couple of years, and so knowing that that's maybe a little shorter, a little bit tougher to get our hands on is good to know. I've heard rumblings of that, but nothing nothing concrete, so that's uh, that's good to know. That's uh, that's good advice there that yeah. any Arkansas uh, listeners, if you need another it. Another option
1: for if you can't get Bassagrand is make sure you're getting sharp and out prey. That'll really help with your ALS-resistant flat sedges.
0: Yeah, definitely, and Bolero. Bolero's been a really good one for us too. Now it gets to be a little expensive and stuff, but Bolero's been a real good flat sedge residual material as well for us. So, um, and and if you can't, and you know, Loyant comes with its whole bag of tricks too. But if you can get Loin Outpost, it's normally been pretty good on most of our sedges as well. So yep. that's another option too. Yep. But well, cool. Is there uh, you know anything else as far as the year goes you wanted to mention, or is it you know those kind of as it, as yeah, kinda, that's kind of that's
1: kind of about it. Um, one thing or a couple things that I've heard um, seems to be uh, I don't know if a, you would call it a shortage, but um, not enough high card to cover all of the Max A seed. So they've kind of pulled some Max A seed back to make sure that they have the the high card herbicide for
0: that technology, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that's perfect lead way, you know, segue into what, what we might as well talk about next. Um, Cause I've heard the same thing up here, right. Is that there was just not enough high card to go around and uh, that, that Rystech was trying to pull a little bit of their max ace seed back and things like that. But that was going to be one of my main things to chat about was the fact that you know there is a very specific label language there, right? Provisia rice gets Provisia herbicide. Max Ace rice gets High Card herbicide, and more right. than just labeling reasons, it's really important because of safety issues, right? Rice safety issues, and so um, High Card herbicide has a safener in it, and that makes you know it, it safens Max Ace rice a little bit more to that quazalifob herbicide. And you don't want to be crisscrossing because you can end up with some pretty severe injury. And I know you had a feel of this just recently. And so I just wanted to turn it over and let you chat about that that situation and any details you want to mention or, you know, anything else specific about it, about why we need to be following those rules of high card goes on Max Ace.
1: (laughs) That's going to be very important that you make sure uh, you're putting high card herbicide on Max Ace and matching up your technologies right because um, High Card has that safener in there for a reason, and I've seen it firsthand. There was a field here in South Louisiana where it was actually an accident. They were spraying a bunch of Provisia rice with Provisia, and then there was a, a, a field that was Maxace that the person spraying was told, hey, skip this field with the with Provisia herbicide, and he just kept on rolling and sprayed that Maxace field with uh, the Provisia, and i just a rough number and walking through the field probably killed 90% of the standard rice. Uh, so this is definitely something you're, you're not going to want to do. You're not going to want to save the, the money by putting Provisia out on, on Maxace rice, cause it's going to end up biting you. It might not bite you every time. Uh, but with, with the weather conditions like they've been kind of cool and wet, uh, it's definitely going to increase the, the chances of, uh, you injuring or killing that Maxace rice. Um, with this technology, the the ACCA's resistant rice, you're always going to have this chance for injury. Um, so that's that's not one of the, the things that you want to push is using the, the unsafe and
0: herbicide on the Max Ace rice. And it, and it doesn't matter whether it's the the variety or the hybrid or anything there. Right. I know we have a lot more variety out there, but right, I mean, it's Max right. Ace rice. You use yeah, it's Max Rose Ace or, rice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of the Max Ace hybrid. I've seen one field um of Maxace hybrid but the majority of it's going to be the inbred line
0: uh and then I, I don't know if i missed it did you say what size that rice was when it got sprayed too
1: it was about two to three leaf okay. and it was so uh, right in uh, their first 30. normal Nine.
0: window then yeah okay yeah.
1: it's about 13.9 fluid ounces per acre okay yeah so, normal rate for uh the provisio on provisio and even the high card on the Maxace because they both have the same 15
0: and a half ounce recommended rate. Yeah, and if you haven't seen some of the pictures, Connor shared some of this on his Twitter, so make sure to check that out and, and follow him and stuff too because uh, the pictures were pretty – it was a scary sight, let's just say that. I mean, it's something I've yeah, been trying to preach, out. The,
1: the person who sent me to the field, he didn't go with me, but I pulled up and I knew exactly what field it was, walked out there and immediately started pulling growing points out. Uh, one of the neat things, which I didn't post this picture, um, some of the high spots were still green whereas low spots were were completely carcasses. They were completely dead. Uh, so that just shows you how important soil moisture is with these herbicides. Uh, so having good soil moisture can always help with the activity uh, for controlling weeds.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, too. I, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, because that's kind of one of the things we stress, too, is the moisture and how much on both sides, right? That can improve our weed control, but also really be detrimental to our rice injury if something goes wrong too so right. so yeah those cool wet conditions and, and spraying Provisi on max ace we're going to run into some issues there so uh, yeah glad you were able to share your experience there uh just to try and stave off any of those instances in, in hopefully our I don't get here.
1: called to too many more of those
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say that every year and I still get called to a bunch I swear so it's uh hopefully we can stave off some of them at least though um, have you seen any issues just as staying on the herbicide traits front? Have you seen any issues on the, you know, Clearfield full page side of things? You know, any injury, any weed control no, issues down there?
1: Uh, last year we got a call on a Clearfield jasmine injury from uh, New Path. And we were convinced that they mixed up the seed. So we we ran some analysis on the, the plant tissue and it came back Clearfield jasmine. Uh, so that was one of those rare instances where we got uh, Clearfield injury. Uh, we haven't gotten a clear field injury call and in who knows how many years, but last year was just one of those years where it was cool and wet and cloudy all the time. So the, the herbicide or the plant, the, the target rice, or not the target rice, the uh, cultivated rice just wasn't metabolizing that herbicide out of the plant like it should have. So that the herbicide stayed in the plant longer and stayed active. So we picked up a little bit more injury last year than a normal year.
0: I'm glad you bring that up again, too, just with the weather conditions we've had this year. You know, who knows what we might see. Now, we, we should not expect on the full page front because of that kind of having the you know, the two parents, uh, for, for resistance, we really have not seen any ALS, you know, injury pop up on those full page hybrids, but, uh, you know, there's, there's always a chance you get cool, wet conditions, like you said, real cloudy weather. And then some of our other clear field technologies that are still available out there, just be prepared. If this is the weather conditions we have through the year and we really overload it with a bunch of ALS chemistries, you never know. You probably still have a chance to see some of that too. So awesome. Um, well, outside of those herbicide traits, those were the main couple of things I wanted to hit on there. There are a few other things that I know that uh, that your weed science group has researched down there. And I just wanted to get your advice and your takes on some of these things. So one of the first things I know you, um, you and your, your lab down there have done a bunch of work on some different herbicide antagonism things, right? And, and what's right. good and what's not good and, and things we should watch out for and all that kind of stuff. And so I just wanted to, to kind of turn it over to you and let us know. And this could be across, you know, different trait technologies. If it's within a you know, specific trait technology, that's great too. But just kind of fill us in and give us a few tips on on some of those antagonism things that we need to watch out for.
1: Yeah, so most of our antagonism that we deal with is uh, the Provisia herbicide or, or what will be the high-card herbicide. Um, just, I mean, really that, that whole group of herbicides, all your ACCase inhibiting herbicides, so your group one herbicides historically have been antagonized when they're applied in a mixture. Uh, So we've done a lot of research looking at what herbicides antagonize and possible ways to overcome that antagonism. Uh, Best way to overcome it is to apply Provisia by itself. Uh, But some of the the herbicides that always tell people to stay away from would be, the main one would be to stay away from STAM. I've, I've seen it completely tie up Provisia uh, stay away from stuff like Regiment or Grasp, uh, even 2,4-D. 2,4-D uh, can be pretty bad. Some of the herbicides, i say if, if you're going to mix with Provisia, I would use a permit or a Gambit or a Loint. Those, those seem to be the least antagonistic uh, when mixing with, with the, that Group 1 class of herbicides. Um, but I tell everybody, you're probably still going to get antagonism. Even if you don't, you might next time antagonism has always been kind of finicky. Uh, It's hard to get the same results year after year. Um, So if you're gonna mix, be ready for a little bit of antagonism. Uh, Even if you don't see it, if you had a running check next to it, you probably would see it. Um, So at least, if all possible, get at least one application of Provisia out by itself. Because uh, so, we need to really preserve this technology and make sure that we don't have red rice going to seed to where it can outcross with the Provisia system like that we had with clear field rice. Um, another one that we've kind of been looking at um, is gambit and stam antagonism on alligator wheat control. Uh, so this is kind of a, a new instance with that. The gambit just going to market, I think, in 2018. Um, from our research, we broke the, the gambit out into the, the permit and the peak, and it seems like the peak is causing more of the antagonism than the permit is on the alligator weed control when, when you mix it with STAM. guess it's, it's mainly alligator weed. We, we've seen it slow down activity on uh, stuff like spreading day flower, um, but our main concern is the alligator weed with that mixture.
0: And that's mainly, you said the STAM and, and gambit, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and then back to the Provisia too, did you say, have you messed around with Bassagran as a mix in there? Have you seen anything there?
1: I haven't really messed around with okay. it. Um, I mean, there's always the opportunity to tie it up, no matter what you're mixing with it. seems like the, the soil applied residual herbicides are a little bit better too. So like if you uh, mix Provisia and Command together, you wouldn't necessarily get as much antagonism um, because that's more of a soil applied herbicide. Um, But really anything that you mix, be ready for a little bit of antagonism. Just know that there's an opportunity for that.
0: No, that's good advice. And and like you said, too, you know, it really – Emphasizes the point, right, of, of things that we've been preaching to. The sequentials are key still in those systems. You want to make sure you're using your two shots for sure. You want to make sure you're using full rates, you know, that we're not cutting rates because you're going to see it even worse if you cut a rate down uh, where okay. you're going to have that antagonism. So that's important. And I know our rec, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but our rec is always to try and do those mixtures. In the first shot, if you can, and then your pre-flood shot basically is is the provisor, the high card all by itself to, to like yep. you said, basically finish it out. Make sure we don't have anything going into the flood.
1: That's right. And you, if you mix up front, you you can uh, get rid of some of your broadleaf competition as well
0: early on that could potentially cause a yield drag later on in the in the growing season. Awesome. Would you also expect, I mean, we typically always look at like the Provisian high card as it's a hotter version, but you know, it's, it's very similar to like the clinchers and rice stars of the world. So would you typically expect to a lot of these antagonisms you've seen there to carry over into the clinchers and the rice stars of the world too?
1: Yeah, there's, there's always that possibility that that whole mode of action, um, you can tie it up. I've, I've tied up some rice
0: star before with some mixtures. Um, so there's, there's always room for it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that info. That's good info to have. Um, The next thing I wanted to hit on too, just with our wet conditions we've had, and we're getting later into the season, I expect a few more of our Arkansas growers to kind of dabble in water seeding. And normally we're pretty low as far as water seeding goes, you know, roughly like 5% 5% of our acres or so. Uh, and so if we have a few more guys dabbling in it, you know, I was just looking for, uh, for some of your advice from down there and what, you know, what percentage right now is Louisiana as far as water seeding? Is it about 50%, 40%? So
1: we're, we're 80% drill seeded, 20% okay. water seeded right now. And okay. that, that can fluctuate given on the year. We've actually started picking up a little bit more water seeded acreage um, just because If you have a conventional line next to a field of Provisia, if you drift that Provisia onto your conventional line, it can be pretty bad. So if they have a conventional line or say like they have a a jasmine or something on contract that they have to have, uh, they might water seed instead of using a Provisia system, which I'll kind of get into a little bit of history there. Uh, So before the Clearfield system came to the market, we were the exact opposite. We were about 80 percent water seeded, 20 percent drill seeded. So Clearfield rice really flipped that. Uh, complete 180. Um, so water seeded production system was mainly used as a cultural way to control red rice. Uh, so you would fly your, or broadcast your seed into a standing field of water, uh, drop that water off the field, and then let your rice uh, establish a little bit of a root system. And as soon as it picked back up, as soon as that rice picked up and started pegging, uh, you put the flood right back on the field. And that's what we call a pinpoint. Uh, flooded system, so that that water acts as a as a residual herbicide, if you if you will, to uh, suppress red rice germination. So that's a, that's our main use for it. Whereas in Arkansas, y'all might be using it as just a way to get seed out there. Um, so really, with the water seeded system, once you get to that three to four leaf stage rice stage, then you're pretty much managing it like a uh, drill seeded production system. So I don't know if if people in Arkansas start to water seed, they'll probably just stick with a delayed flood system. Um, that would be my my best guess is what my, many of the producers would do up there. Yeah.
0: Is, is there, um, I guess just a, as far as the herbicide front goes and trying to get residuals out, that's a lot of the questions I get. You know, what can we spray and when can we spray it and that kind of thing? You know, is it... Uh, can we spray the command out front before we would ever bring up the flood to water seed you know is that or is it smarter to save it for once it's pipped kind of thing you know and applying it then you know the yeah. pals and boleros of the world what's the what do those look like just kind of give us a tidbit on timings and which herbicides are you know residual herbicides are good and when to hit them kind of thing
1: so the, the command can go out before the flood before you establish your seeding uh, flood but um, there's always room for a little bit more phytose, so a little bit more bleaching once your rice starts growing. Um, what we try to tell people is to broadcast your seed, drop the water, let the rice start standing up, get a, get a good peg to it, and then about 24 hours before your pinpoint flood, put your command out. Um, really, with all these herbicides, mainly or except maybe sharpen, uh, you need to avoid putting herbicides directly on the seed exposed on the ground. Uh, That's where you can pick up a lot of injury. I did some work with loint and gambit, and uh, you definitely don't want to put loint and gambit directly on the seed. Just sitting on the surface, you want to wait to at least one true leaf and get a good root system established. Uh, Sharpens one of those ones that you can put out uh, directly on the seed, but I wouldn't go much higher than an ounce. Uh, Then you'll start picking up some some injury. Um, As far as bolero and prowl go, I could warn you all about one thing, it would be prowl. Um, so you need to wait until you get at least four good leaves, three to four good leaves before you put prowl out in water seeded rice. Because if you go too early, say if you go in, at that pegging timing, uh, you won't get a very good uh, root system. You'll, the roots will start bottle brushing and being stubby. And then when you go to put your flood on the field, it'll just pick the rice right up out of the soil. Uh, and you'll have a whole stand of rice floating on the soil surface. So you need to really be mindful uh, with prowl and how early you're, you're trying to push it. Um, so I wouldn't push it too early, uh, stay around the three to four leaf timing. Uh, but with that, you kind of lose your, your best window of opportunity for control with prowl. Um, so I don't really, I don't necessarily see prowl as the best fit. unless say you got some command down up front and you're suppressing weeds. And then you came back at that four leaf timing with, with uh, a little bit of prowl. Um, bolero it needs to be at least two good leaves before you put bolero out and there's some there's some wording on the bolero label that so if you're going to use bolero on water cedar rice, make sure you're reading the label there's some uh some wording about soil preparation and uh, having a well drained field uh, so be mindful of that label so, that's, ec-
0: that's excellent info i appreciate that connor that's really good pieces of advice for for our growers so uh, i'm glad to hear all of that that's great uh, is there anything else on as far as the water seeding goes that you think we really need to be on the lookout for or should be following, especially on the weed control front, anything else specific? Yeah, so you, you need to be mindful of your prepackaged mixtures. So back on the,
1: the prowl and the bolero, so if you're putting rice one out, you have prowl in there, so you need to to follow the recommendation for prowl if you're using rice one. And same with rice bow. Rice bow has bolero in it, so you need to wait till at least two-leaf rice.
0: Uh, so be mindful of your prepackaged mixtures and know what herbicides are in your jug. That's awesome. Great advice, Connor. Thank you very much. Um, last thing as far as other tips, because I know you've done a bunch of research on this down there as well, and it's starting to take off a, a fair amount more up here as well, is uh, doing the herbicide coated on fertilizer and, and different, different herbicides we're looking at and, and different application windows and some of those things. Uh, you know, do you have any tips as far as uh, some of those different herbicides? What you've seen is working. What's not working? You know, what's kind of you know any best practices? I guess anything to give us on that front as well.
1: Yeah, so there's there's pros and cons to it. Uh, one of the biggest pros would be uh, reducing drift by putting herbicide on a fertilizer granule, uh, especially with lent. I think from talking to some of the consultants and field reps, probably seventy to eighty percent of our lint goes out on fertilizer and the majority of that goes into the flood. So you got a little bit of a double-edged sword there. So if you put your your urea into the flood, you're gonna lose a lot of your nitrogen through volatilization, but it seems to be better for the loint to go into the flood on the the urea. Uh, So one of the rule of thumbs that we always tell growers with, especially with loint, uh, is to whatever you're gonna spray as a foliar application, add two ounces if you're gonna go onto fertilizer. Uh, but a, a real common practice uh, down here is to do an ounce of Gambit and eight ounces of Bluant, and those two products seem to, seem to complement each other, uh, so whatever, uh, so Gambit might be weak on something, Bluant's better on, and vice versa. Um, one thing that we've kind of seen past couple years is a little bit of residual activity when we're putting loint on the fertilizer granule and dropping it into the water. So last year we did a a study and kind of like the the drift with a tunnel study, um, putting dicamba in a flat in the middle of a a wind tunnel and using a soybean plant as an indicator. We used, put um, three foot diameter PVC pipe rings out in the field, burned it down with Roundup and then put our flood out and then put loint at four different rates as a foliar spray and on impregnated uh, fertilizer and the one on the impregnated fertilizer was hands down better from a residual aspect as a foliar spray. And in that we used duck salad as our indicator. Uh, So we have a very good stand of duck salad. So I think at four ounces of one on the fertilizer, 42 days after treatment, I still had no duck salad in those rings. Whereas maybe at, 14 to 17 days, the loint the on the fertile or foliar was breaking uh, in terms of duck salad control. But with that, we just use duck salad because it's very sensitive to loint. Uh, so that residual aspect might not always be the same for every weed species. So like with a barnyard grass or a yellow nut sed, you you're probably not gonna get any residual out of that. Uh, but you could possibly get a little bit of residual on like a rice flat sedge or a joint bench or something like that. So that's something we're going to look into a little bit more this year, looking at what's going on, trying to figure out why we're getting more residual on the fertilizer. So we're going to do it on dry ground and the flood and do it at different rates and timings of floods. So I'm real interested to see what we can figure out there.
0: And say, yeah, that's going to be real interesting because uh, we're looking a lot to at the, you know, impregnating or, or I shouldn't say impregnating coating on fertilizer. Uh, you know, and it's particular, like we talked about earlier, the sedge problems that are eating our lunch. You know, and Loyant still being so good on those, it's a great option to try and add another tool in our toolbox to be able to drop that in the flood and take out some of those sedges still. And it seems to be working pretty well. Like I yep. said, as long as we can get it coated and get it dropped in right, it seems to be working really well at knocking out some of those annual sedges still, which is great. Um, that and Rogue post flood are really about our only two options there as we start to, if Basagran is going to be short and running into issues with propanil and everything else, we're we're getting limited on options so yeah, being able re- to kind of put Loyant back in that toolbox is a big benefit
1: yeah and being able to put it on the fertilizer is really going to help with drift
0: and yeah. it'll save you a little bit money
1: on application costs
0: uh, and so in one other question i guess on that uh, um is there a, a minimum you know amount of let's say cuz most guys are going to be using urea right and, and so is there a minimum amount of urea that you can do some of these on you know can you do 50 pounds if we're going to be dropping it into the flood like that you need to be at 100 pounds what's your normal yeah right there
1: i like to see at least 100 150 pounds uh i mean it, we haven't done a whole lot of work into the, the rates of fertilizer but you could kind of translate that into different uh gallons of water per acre uh so the less fertilizer you're putting it on the less coverage you're going to get uh, so that's that's a we haven't done a whole lot of work into that but um, you don't want to go too high and you don't want to go too low. Um, well, I was just going to say, other,
0: some horror stories of it getting too low and then it's too much chemical and it kind of melts, you know, the, yeah. the granule and everything else and, and gets sticky. Yeah, there's a, there's a fine
1: line there. Um, yeah. One of the rules of thumbs is try not to go over a pint of product um, per acre on fertilizer because if you start putting too much liquid on that fertilizer, you're going
0: to start melting it. Awesome. Well, that's great advice. I appreciate that too. We, uh, like I said, we're trying some of those things out up here and so swapping any good ideas. I appreciate that. That's going to be helpful all the way around. So uh, any other final thoughts or or tips that you want to leave for either, you know, your Louisiana growers or our Arkansas growers up here?
1: I think we about covered it. I I hope y'all dry out a little bit so y'all can start getting in the ground.
0: Same. I hope so too. Well, I I appreciate you joining again, Connor, and all your information. You had, uh, you know, some really good tips, I think, for our Arkansas growers moving forward for, for in the year. Um, Just a few other things that I always like to highlight as far as, uh, you know, Arkansas extension outreach stuff, you know, make sure to check out our website, um, uaex.uada.edu forward slash weeds. Uh, please visit your local county extension office or download our MP44 from online. Um, that's a great, you know, booklet guide for basically all everything herbicide related across our cropping systems. Um, if you haven't signed up for our texting service, please do that. Text WEEDS, so W-E-E-D-S, WEEDS, to 501-300-8883. And uh, as always, if you just, you know, need to get a hold of us or have any questions, I mean, please feel free to get, you know, hold of any of us uh, anytime. Uh, And Connor, do you have any, you know, LSU resources that you wanted to to put in here as well? Yeah, we
1: have a rice varieties and management tips, and that's kind of a a top to bottom rice production guide. And then we also have a uh, Louisiana suggested chemical weed control guide, and that's for all the crops that we grow in uh, Louisiana. And there's a a rice specific section with a a bunch of different herbicides and weeds and the do's and don'ts in there.
0: Uh, So those are two pretty good publications and you can find those on the LSU Ag Center website. Awesome. And then uh, the final thing is we just had some thank yous we always want to say too. And so I want to say thanks to the um, Arkansas Rice Research and Promotion Board, as well as USDA NIFA and USDA ARS for contributing funding to a lot of our research that, that drives our weed control recommendations and also helps just give us some opportunities to do these extension outreach things like we're doing today uh, with this Weeds Are Wild podcast series. So you know, thank you there for that kind of funny funding. Um, Connor, anything on the, the LSU front you wanted to mention?
1: Yeah, I just want to say thank you to the Louisiana Rice Research Board, similar to what you all have in Arkansas. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do what I do, um, especially being in my first year, they they funded me. Uh, so that was, that was always nice to have some funding uh, starting out. So I'm extremely grateful for that. And uh, all of the cooperators that we work with uh, uh, that we do research for, just say thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, once again, thanks for joining us, Connor. I appreciate uh, you taking the time and giving us that information. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks to all our listeners again for continuing to join us. And if you ever have any topics or you want to uh, get a hold of us, like I mentioned, let us know. Uh, And with that, uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.